Welcome to the Testimony Service Podcast, the podcast that will encourage you, increase your faith, and draw you closer to God. I'm your host, Martina. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So in an effort to help our listeners' faith increase, each episode will begin with the scripture. Today's scripture comes from Psalm 106, verses 43 through 46. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion and they wasted away in their sin. Yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and out of his great love, he relented. He caused all who held them captive to show them mercy. And now for episode 15, Grafted Fruit. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Kanisa Furlow. I am from Indianapolis, Indiana. My testimony that I'm going to share is about motherhood. And what I mean by that is I have four beautiful children that I did not biologically give birth to. And that was a process of me getting to this point where I can talk about being a mother without feeling pain, uh, resentment, angry, frustrated. My oldest will be 15 next month. We officially had legal guardianship over him when he was two. So for 14 years, I did not feel like a mother. And the reason why is as a teenager, first of all, let me say this, I'm number five out of six girls. And out of all my sisters, everyone has biologically gave birth. Even my baby sister who was diagnosed with severe medical conditions she was a severe diabetic, type 1, type 2. She had heart problems, you, you know, but she gave birth to two kids. She's no longer with us for the past six years, but she gave birth. And I am the only one that was not able to give birth. So as a teenager, I remember saying to God in my bedroom at that time, living with my parents, like, Lord, do not bless me with children until I get married. I want to get married first and then have kids. Now, I did not grow up. Sanctified, I didn't grow up living 100% for God wholeheartedly. I did everything. Um, even as I got older, I still did a whole lot of stuff. It's like really heavy in the streets where my life could have been taken. I actually could have caught um, a disease. I could have caught AIDS. You name it, I did it all because of my childhood, what happened to me as a child growing up. But, you know, even though I was dating and living with, had a boyfriend, we was trying to have kids, nothing would happen. And it just made me feel bad. But I continue to remember of the testament, the prayer that I said to Lord, I don't want to have kids until I get married. And as year goes on, my high school sweetheart, um, who came back into my life, from 1992, we reconnected in um, December of 2002, and we just picked up where things left off. By October of 2003, we were married. By February or March of 2004, we were trying to have a family because we'd known each other so long. We knew each other past. Um, nothing was happening, and I kept getting angry and upset because I said to God, I don't want to have kids until I get married. And now that I'm married, I'm trying to have kids. Nothing has happened. Absolutely nothing has happened. But what began to happen was I started having 
And I pray that I do not offend anyone by saying this, but I start having vaginal problems. And um, went to the doctor to find out that I had precancer cells surfacing in my vaginal wall. And it was headed to my reproductive organs. And so I had to go through biopsy. And by doing that, it didn't spread, praise God, but it left me very sensitive. But I was still having issues producing. So by by mid-2004, my husband went to go get checked. He was told he could not have kids. He could not because of a, a situation, an injury when he was born that his mother never got taken care of. So that was a blow. But then we had the option where after they told us you can do fertility. So, yay, let's do fertility. But when I went to go get checked because I'm having issues, I find out because I wasn't having regular cycles, menstrual, and I was told that I have polycystic ovaries. No one never told me I had polycystic ovaries, even as a teenager when I was having irregular cycles, gaining weight, losing weight, having abdominal pain. No one told me. It was just I was overweight. That's what I was constantly being told. But now I'm hearing that I have polycystic ovaries and that I have cysts in my ovaries to where the doctor actually took pictures of my ovaries and showed me. Then she showed me what was going on with my tubes because of what I was doing in the street sleeping around, doing God knows everything. I won't say what, but he knows everything that I was doing, but I could have harmed myself. My life was in danger a lot. Um, I was in an abusive relationship, so, you know, being abused, tortured, doing drugs, drinking, and in fights as well. So I messed my body up really bad. And so my tools were also affected. And in 2009, I had to have a hysterectomy. Prior to 2009, our oldest came into our life because the church that we was attending at that time, there was a young lady there who was married, but they were having a hard time taking care of their oldest, their first child, and she was getting ready to call DCS to come pick them up because she couldn't do it. But someone in the church, a good friend of mine, told her about me. Immediately, I went over to assist, and immediately she gave him to us. So for two years, off and on, he was going back and forth from our house to their house. So as time go on, they'll um, have another child. And then next thing you know, we're godparents not only of one child but two. And so the situation became even more severe where DCS got involved and basically said, to keep the brothers together that either we become licensed foster parents or they will have to split them up. So we chose to be licensed foster parents. And by being licensed foster parents, that opened us up to be fostering other children. And so the more children we foster, in a total of six years, we fostered probably 12 to 13, maybe 15 kids that we were able to pour into love and make sure they got the help and services that they needed to go back to their biological parents' house. And it was in 2009 when I really broke before the Lord and I got angry and I got upset with him. And when you're in the church, people tell you, don't do that. You can't say you can't talk to God that way. You can't just go off on him. You you just got to take it. You got to take it. But then when you in church, the people are looking at you, you're married. Why you don't have children? Because the Bible says, be fruitful and multiply. 
And so that was always constantly heavy on me. And I thought I was not a, a real woman. I wasn't whole. Something was wrong with me. I was basically like in depression. I was angry. I was frustrated. I took my anger out on my husband. I, it started affecting my marriage and the children that we had at that time. It started affecting them. It just kept going, but I kept fostering. I kept um, loving the best way that I knew how without getting close because I was like this. These are not my biological children. So in my mind, because I didn't get the opportunity to feel children in my womb and feel the movement and, you know, give the actual birth, go through the birthing experience, I couldn't connect because if you didn't come from me, how can we connect? Over years, I didn't know that by me being so distant and I didn't verbally say it, but the, my children felt it. And so as we go on in life, I adopt two more kids out of foster care. And so I have a total of three boys and a baby girl. And I'm doing the best that I can, but I'm still upset. Even though I had a hysterectomy, I'm still angry with God. I'm so angry with him because I said I prayed to you and I told you what I wanted. I'm just upset. Prior to us adopting all of our kids and we stopped fostering, the day before, I want to say a day or two days before um, me having my hysterectomy surgery in 2009, I remember crying out to the Lord. He had me on a fast prior to getting fully checked, a 40-day fast. I was a half into the fast. It was vegetable water fast. That's all I had to do for 40 days. And I remember Two, it, like I said, it was a day or two before the surgery, and I broke in my bedroom, and I cried out to God, and I'm like, why are you doing this to me when I asked you and I prayed to you, and you're supposed to give me what I want? And it was in that moment God spoke to me very audibly. He let me get all my anger and frustration out. He allowed me to really express to him how I was feeling, the pain, the agony, the hurt, the rejection, the abandonment. Everything that I have encountered, he allowed me to get that out to him. He didn't interrupt me. He just let it out. And then when I was done, and he simply said, I never created you to give biological birth. I never did that. I never told you you can have biological birth. And that broke me. And I said, but as a woman, that is my duty. Your scriptures say when, you know, be fruitful and multiply. I'm married now. I should be being fruitful, reproducing and giving life and multiplying your glory, multiplying my husband's last name. And God said again, but I never created you to do that. He said, yes, I created you to be a mother, but I never told you it would be biological. And that broke me, but I had to accept that because no longer will I biologically give birth. And so I accepted what he said, but I didn't really receive it. It's just like someone offer you a gift, you accept the gift, but do you really receive the thought behind it, the intention behind it, the, the love and, and the the purpose behind it. So I didn't really receive what he said to me. And as years went on, I became bitter. I became angry. It was hard for me to be around friends and family who were pregnant, giving birth. Um, I put the beautiful face on, the bit sister face, the, you know, the bit, uh, the good friend face on and supported. I gave gifts. I babysitted. But at night, it tormented me. I cried. I was angry. 
Uh, and I basically kind of went in depression because I continued to eat. I continued to basically allow my emotions and my pain and agony take over me. And um, it wasn't until, and like I said, my oldest would be 15 uh, next month. And it wasn't until three years ago when I was completely broken from multiple things. This is just part of my testimony. I have multiple testimonies I can share. But when life had hit me so hard, I just couldn't take it anymore. And my oldest, I remember dropping him off at the bus stop. And as he was Leaving my van and walking to his bus across the street, a car just came out of nowhere. The bus driver was blowing her horn. The lights were flashing on the bus. The the thing was sticking out for her to stop, and she did not stop until she hit my son in fast impact. Um, by the grace of God, he is alive. He bounced up in the air, hit the top of her car, and bounced and hit the ground, and he got up limping to the bus. It was by the grace of God. He did not have not one broken bone, um, no internal damages, but it did mess him up mentally, and he had scrapes and bruises. But it was then seeing that that God began to work on me because I was like, even though he biologically did not come from me, my heart stopped. I was enraged at the woman. I was angry. I was scared. I was confused. I was worrying he's going to die. Is something going on inside of him. And that's when what God was saying, this is what a mother does. This is what happened. This is how a mother feels when their children are hurt. This is a mother. And God began to work on me in multiple areas with my children. Um, my children are, they all have different personality. They have learning disabilities. Um, they have special needs that need to be addressed. They're, you know, they're not low function, but they're high function in their area of autism and cognitive delayed and developmental delay. So it takes a lot sometimes. And God began to work on me. That's, I, I, that's the only way that I can put it, that by the grace of God, I'm still here because God stepped in and began to work on me. Um, there was no specific prayer that I said, God, if you don't do this, I'm done. There, there, there was no specific prayer, God, please help me. I just remember saying to him, I'm not a mother. And I remember when Mother's Day would come around, I would say to God, why are they giving me gifts? Why are they showering me when I'm not a mother? Uh, we would be at church and people address me as a mother. I'm like, thank you. But in my heart, I'm saying to God, I am not a mother. Why are they doing this? Why are you allowing people to do this? That was constantly what I always petitioned to God. And then um, I can honestly say he just started continuing to work on me. There was a lot of things that were transpiring from when me and my husband got married from 2000, October 2003, even up to three years ago, a lot happened um, between those time frames to me almost losing my life a couple of times to um, my son getting injured to there's friction between me and my kids to, yes, I told my husband, I'm done. I'm ready to leave. I can't take it anymore. I, I don't want to be here. You can have the kids. And all of that led up because of a prayer that I said as a teenager that I wanted to be 
a mother when I get married, but I didn't become a mother how I wanted to be. And as I got was working on me, he said, you have to remember, you never came to me and asked me what was my desires for you. Even as a teenager, you never asked my, what was my plan for you? What was the desires that I want you to desire? You made up your mind how you was going to live according to what someone else told you how to receive me. And so I lived my life based on what people taught me, what people said about God, but I never got a chance to really get to know him. But in these past three years, I can honestly say I got to know God in a more profound way, and the healing started taking place. He did it slowly. He did it very slowly. It wasn't a gradual thing, but he did it very slowly and very strategic. That's just the awesome God that we had. We have. He never overwhelmed me or made me feel inferior. He made. He never made me feel less than. He just kept pushing me and and reassuring me that I am a mother and that you are great at what you're doing. You're doing the best that you can. And and he continued to reassure me by placing people in my past that don't know me, that didn't know my testimony or my story or where I came from, but they will see me. They will see how my children will behave. They will see how my children treat. Even the school will call and say, we never had kids in our class that was so manageable this way and so respectful. And though they have their issues, but how they have respect for adults and how they even have respect for themselves. And I'm just like in awe. I'm like, okay, I taught them that, you know, we go before the school uh, to discuss their IEPs for their schooling and the questions that I have. And, and sometimes I felt like I was too hard on them because even then my husband was like, you got to stop forcing them. You got to stop pushing them. You got to stop. You got to stop. But when we go to these IEPs, I let them know what I'm doing and they encourage me to keep doing it because that's what they need to be pushed, not to just settle. And so I'm like, okay, this is, I'm learning, I'm learning, God is teaching me. But now with this Mother's Day of 2020, I was so, I was just so at peace and so at awe when I woke up that Sunday morning knowing that this is Mother's Day. And for the first time in 14 years, I was at peace. I had joy in my heart. Um, because God has been healing me. I'm getting counseling for myself to be healed from childhood things um, because me and my biological mother didn't have a real strong relationship. And I experienced rejection in my mother's womb um, because while she had a stillbirth before me, and while she was carrying me, my mother didn't work. All day she did was play car. Every single day she played car and she drunk beer. So... I found out my birthing testimony from my OB who delivered me. He made it a point that he was going to tell me about my delivery process before he retired. And when he told me about what happened, he was like, I thought you was going to be deformed. I, I thought you was going to be brain dead. I didn't think you was going to make it. And, you know, I was just so afraid you was going to be addicted to drugs and alcohol. And I was like, why do you say that? And he said, because when you was born, when your mother's water broke, the room was smell like alcohol. A whiff of alcohol came from her water. And I was like, how is that when I'm supposed to be protected in the sack? And, and he even said to me, he said, that's why we was all confused. 
and we didn't understand that. And so just hearing that, and I went to my mom, she said yes, and it kind of brings things into perspective and how she always told me I need to be better than, I need to be more like my sister. I need So I never lived a life accepting me and learning who I was. I always was living according to what someone else say and what someone else do because she cultivated that. And when God started healing me, that's what he started reminding me. You're following in a pattern that was taught to you by your mother when you was in her womb, and she kept the pattern going. And now it's time for you to break that pattern, to stop listening to everyone else and stop listening to your thoughts and stop listening to your emotions and stop listening to what TV say or what the news say or what books say about a mother and begin to listen to me, the source, the creator, the one who breathes life in you, the one who created you. And when I took a step back and I said, you're right, and I start beginning to seek God, seek the kingdom and how to be a mother and how to be a wife. That's when life started lining up for me. That's when peace started taking over. And that's when joy started filling my heart. And I'm still constantly going through that process. I'm still allowing God to continually evolve me and how he want me to be and how he want me to live. And I'm more confident now as a mother and as a wife than I have ever been, all because I began to allow God to evolve me. That's the only way that I can describe my victory is that he is evolving me. I'm not just delivered and walking in victory in one aspect because my kids are forever growing. They're forever changing. And again, like I said, I have three boys and a girl. So I got teenagers and a girl that eventually is going to walk into womanhood. So they're constantly evolving. Their emotions are changing. Their personalities are changing. And so I have to constantly to allow God to evolve me so I can be able to meet their needs as they are evolving as well in God. And so that is basically my testimony as a motherhood because the world would make a woman who's not able to give birth, make her feel worthless, make her feel she is not a woman. And that's how I felt because when you turn on TV and you look at love movies or you're looking at movies or whatever, boom, there you are, you fall in love and then you have a family. Even in church, I felt that way. Like, no one has took what I'm going through serious. No one really tried to understand why we didn't have kids. Um, when we started fostering, and it was sad that the church began to make it seem like we was doing it for money, and they really didn't have no clue. Our oldest, we didn't, we didn't adopt it out of, out of the foster system. We legally went through the courts to do it because their mother died, you know, died in a hit and run accident. So we had to do everything out of pocket, but it was just sad that how the church made me feel and even my husband. And so it, it became to the point you had no one to turn to. I literally had no one to turn to about my pain, about my hurt and about how I felt rejected, how I didn't feel as a woman, but they kept pulling me to work with women. They kept pulling me to minister to women, to young girls. And, and here I got young girls that's getting pregnant out of wedlock coming to me, asking me questions, asking what to do. And, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to help him. And he was like, 
just love them. Love them how you want to be loved. Love them how you want to be treated if that was you. But I had to put myself in other young ladies' shoes to be able to minister them and to love them without giving them rejection, without giving them anger, without giving them a piece of me that was hurt. And even women would come up to me and just ask me questions about motherhood. And I just look at them and I say, I understand what you, I I don't understand what you're going through. And I'm sorry that you encountered this, but I have no clue what you're talking about. And they're like, but you have children. Yes, I have children that the Lord allowed me and my husband to have through adoption. So what your body is going through, the progress your child is going through, I cannot help you. I can just give you what I feel the Lord is saying, but I cannot give you experience unless your child is going through a developmental process that my children went through from infancy that I was able to take them through doctors and medical treatments and all that, then I can. And so I just fell out of place for so long. I avoid being around women. I avoid connecting with women all because I did not feel like a woman. And that goes back to to another testimony I have to give later on. But when, what I have to say, and when I end this, God literally listened to my heart because I remember telling God, I did not audibly tell you what I was going through. I did not audibly cry out to you and say these things. And he said, but your heart speaks more to me and it speaks more profoundly to me than your mouth. And and how my healing process started is with the woman with the issue of blood. He led me to that scripture and he said, now I want you to pay attention of her healing process. And the one thing that she said, because she never touch his hem. She just said, if I can touch, I know I will be made whole. And he said, that's how your process started because in your heart, even though you didn't say, God, heal me, heal me, but your heart was crying out. Your spirit was crying out to me because you kept saying, I'm not a mother. I'm not a mother. You were speaking against something that I already said you are. And so God was starting. He started ministering to me. He said, your heart cried out to me and I heard your heart. And that is when the process process began. And when I start understanding that, then consciously I start making decisions and I start declaring that I am a mother. Even though I didn't feel it, I start declaring that I am a mother and I am a great mother. I am a mother. I am in motherhood. I can say that I am a mother and I can begin to embrace Mother's Day. I can begin to embrace my children and love them how God wants me to, not how someone else is loving their kids and not how books say I'm supposed to be or when I look at TV shows, how it's supposed to be because I kept trying to compare my motherhood to other mothers that I was encountering. But now I'm so confident where I can just be me. They operate how I want to operate, like God tells me to. I love how God tells me to love them. I do things for them, how God tells me to do things for them. And it's different compared to what other mothers are doing, some of the things. And so I am grateful for that. And that is my my process in motherhood from being broken, uh, rejected, not being understood, me not understanding myself, men not want to be in their lives and just want to give up on my marriage 100% because I couldn't give birth to now I'm 
excited about being a mother. I'm looking forward to more instructions. God tells me what to do. I'm looking for looking forward to their growth. And sometimes I even, believe it or not, look for them to come and ask me questions. And I'm like, okay, that's a weird question that you're asking. But, okay, I'm really looking forward to that. And I just love being a mother now. And it just, I just embrace it, believe it or not. Sunday on Mother's Day, actually that Saturday when my husband said, this is Mother's Day weekend. You shouldn't be doing anything. I was like, you know what? I am a mother. Yes, I am. And I'm going to soak this up. Yes, I am. And for the first time, I didn't feel like it was a duty for me to still take care of my family on Mother's Day. I was like, nope, it is my duty to relax and pop up my feet and just be pampered. And that is my testimony. Wow, that is a beautiful testimony. I mean, your whole life is a testimony. I could tell that you have a lot of other ones in there. <laughs> that is amazing. Yes. I love it. <laughs> so how you were talking about reading books and like TV and looking at the other people's standards of what motherhood looks like, mm-hmm. how do you keep your eye on God's standards instead of the world's? Because I mean, yeah, we're in the world, we're not of the world, but it's just so prevalent and it's it's so easy to you know, to not have your eye on the right thing. So how practically um, would you say, you know, that you can keep our eye on God's standards? But one thing that helps me to really separate from looking at TV books in the world is by taking my thoughts, my desires, even the things that I'm trying to understand, I take them to God first now before I act out on it. And I take that scripture very seriously, seeking the kingdom of God first. And now I believe in taking everything about me to God. I literally have to have a conversation with him. Like, and I just talk to him like I talk to you or anybody else. I'll be like, all right, God, listen up. So this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. I would like to do this. What do you think? What do you say? And I really do that with him. And I don't act out on it until he tells me yes or no. And if he doesn't give me an answer at all, Whatever I'm thinking or feeling, I just push that to the side because apparently it's not important. And that's what I do. I like how you were saying how God was telling you, like, you never ask, like, what's my plan for you? And I think mm-hmm. I think we're scared to ask that because we, we really just want God to yes. co-sign our own plans. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> it's, such, it's, such a, it's such a scary thing because it's like, yes, his plans for us is good and he knows us better than we know ourselves and... He's the creator of the world, but man, it's so hard to just let go and and let God. <laughs> how do you how do you Absolutely. how do you do that? <laughs> oh, um, it was the scripture. He gives me the desires of my heart. I used to hear that a lot, and like I said, I didn't grow up in church, but I read the Bible, and that's what I thought. You give me the desires of my heart, so my desire is to be a, have kids this way. My desire is to have this job. My desire is to live this way. Um, but it wasn't until I realized my desires weren't working. It just wasn't planning out. And when it, my desires did fruition, there was so much chaos tied to it. And so I was like, okay, so if this is desires of my heart and, and it's chaotic, what's going on? And then I finally just really asked God, what do you mean by you would give the desires of our heart? 
and he, he basically said, I'm glad you asked. He said, desires of your heart is what I place in it. You have to seek me for your heart's desire. You have to seek me and what it is I want you to desire because your heart, which is the flesh, will mess you up every time. But when you take on my heart, you will begin to move in the desires that I have designed for you to desire. And so that's where I live from now. That's where I function from now. So even if I desire something right now to do something, I will go to him. Is this your desire or is it mine? And he will let me know. That's real. Yeah. Thanks for breaking that scripture down. Cause I know I'm one of those people who read it, <laughs> read it the way I want it to. <laughs> The way I want it, <laughs> the way I want it to be. But yeah, we, yeah, we can't do that because <laughs> we'll be walking around no, with all no. types of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, let me ask you this last question. So I was listening to something earlier today that said that we are most powerfully positioned to influence the person that we once were. And so with that in mind, what advice would you give to your younger self or to someone who's maybe experiencing some similar things as far as like motherhood goes? Oh, I would say not to put a lot of pressure on yourself. Do not try to compete with the world. Do not try to compete with your fellow sister. Just remove all that out of your way and begin to Give God your emotions and your pain and your desire, and if he say that it's not for you to be a mother, then begin to ask him to heal you in that first, and then begin to ask him, what is it that you want me to do because I have that desire to be a mother? And if he say it's not for you to mother by logically or adoption, it may be spiritual because you have some wisdom inside of you to deposit. And so I always tell, and I work with women now, with women, young women, period, I always tell them just because you're young and just because you're inexperienced does not mean you don't have wisdom because we're created by the Heavenly Father and he created us from the eternal realm. So we have things inside of us. We have wisdom. We have the solutions. We have understanding and all that we need inside of us. We just have to ask him so he can unlock it and reveal it so that we can start moving in a whole place because when we're trying to make something out of nothing on our own, we're creating absolutely nothing. We're creating a void in our life. But when we take that and start asking God questions, because we have that right to ask him questions, we have that right to ask him what to do with this and, and even why I'm not able to and allow him to give us the answer, then that void becomes light. And so that's what I would advise. That's great. Thank you so much. So, if there's anyone out here listening to this um, who just really wants someone to talk to, I know you said you help other young women. Would you be willing to share like an email address or any way that they could contact you um, if they just really need someone to speak with and they really resonated with your story on today? Yes, absolutely. You can contact me through our website, um, through my email, kfurlow at unique transformation enterprise. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Testimony Service Podcast. I will be putting Kanisa's contact information and her website in the description. So if you would like to reach out to her, please feel free. Um, She's open. She's available. She's easy to talk to and obviously has a lot of knowledge and wisdom from God. So 
reach out, reach out. And um, continue to support the podcast by liking us on Facebook and Instagram um, and sharing this podcast on social media. And of course, we'll be back next week. So here's a sneak peek for you. Some demonic activity uh, starts to bother me. If don't nobody really believe that demons is real, I experience for him. 